Welcome to the Messy Life Mighty Love Podcast. I am Abby, your host, storyteller, fellow Messy Life journeyer, and friend. You are listening to episode 32, The Messy Ways of Becoming God's Child. In this episode, I will talk off the cuff, as I like to say, about something that is so beautiful, becoming the child of God that we are. So I hope you take this messy journey with me as I go unscripted. Listen in. It was my freshman year of college. I had been mired in perfectionism since a long time becoming valedictorian of my high school class. And I wanted desperately to find a way to not have this burden of perfectionism on my back. And I was playing field hockey and taking a computer programming course, which nearly did me in. And I was so stressed out. And my uh, residence director, my RD, asked me if I wanted to take this discipleship course called Sonship. And I said, I just don't think I can swing it. I'm just too busy. While well, she persisted and asked again if I, she really thought that this was for me and asked if I would consider taking it. And I don't know if I prayed about it or anything, but just because she was persistent, I thought, well, maybe there's something here. Maybe I should take it. What followed was an 18-week course, which was absolutely transformational in my life. I learned to love and live out of the gospel in a way I'd never known. It came to a head for me when there was a reading that we were supposed to do called The End of the Struggle, and I knelt by my bed in my freshman dorm room, and I wept like a child as I saw There was a picture of the burden that we carry of our works righteousness and laying that down, um, completely leaving it. um, It wasn't even a picture of the cross, or maybe it was. I remember there was a cliff, and it was like it was so far gone that it couldn't be reclaimed again. And I can't say I've lived completely not out of perfectionism since then, but it was a huge stronghold in my life that was broken and torn up and cast out of my life. And I could feel the beloved of God. I could feel the love of God. I could feel his love in a way that I didn't have to do anything to perform for it or anything like that. And it was so, so beautiful I just wanted it for everyone. And I, you know, became like an evangelist in a way that I hadn't been. Um, I had shared my faith with people a lot, but it became different. It became centered upon Christ in a way that was just so um, beautiful, so completely otherworldly. Um, so intimate. And I have talked 
sometimes about my mental illness journey. I always tag it in the, um, when I tag the podcast, but I wonder if I'm being really true, but I think I am because the things that I share on here come out of that love relationship, that same relationship that completely transformed my life once I, um, really started to understand what life in the beloved was like. And another thing that has really transformed my thinking and I've meditated on is um, the Prodigal God, um, which is Tim Keller's book um, about the story of the prodigal son. And I have loved the sermons and they just came up again on his podcast. If you search for gospel in life, Tim Keller, it should come right up his uh, podcast feed. And he's had the recent um, series uh, that has come up again. And I have loved those sermons for a long time on uh, the story of the prodigal son. And I also love um, this book that I'm going to read out of with Henry Nowen. And it was funny. Um, I was just listening to one of those. It was a different one. It wasn't the series that became the book, The Prodigal God, but it was um, a another another sermon around the story of the prodigal son. I don't know if they came before the other ones, um, but Tim Keller referenced Henry Nowen and his book um, called The Return of the Prodigal Son, and it's a meditation on Rembrandt's painting of the story. And I thought my life is complete now because two of my favorites are interacting over a sermon. Um, Henry Nowen has been so formational as Tim Keller has been for me to keep me in the place of the beloved, to keep me in the place uh, where um, all of my life is centered around this. And I sort of didn't finish my thought before, even though every, um, every podcast isn't directly dealing with mental illness it is dealing with mental illness in the sense that if it's something that keeps me centered on God, that has been my lifeline. That is how I have navigated mental illness. That is how I found peace and victory is through maintaining life in the beloved. And so that's what I wanted to share. That's the heart of the message today is just what it is to truly be a son or a daughter. And I do like the title sonship. Tim Keller says uh, in one of those prodigal God sermons that it's subversive um, to truly be a son. He said the women who were hearing it in the original audience would have like fallen off their chair um, because it was so radical that they would be called sons, that they would have the right to inheritance in their father's household. And so I like that, um, not, not because I'm, you know, trying to play down women and their relationship with God, not at all, but because I do agree with him that it is subversive. And by calling ourselves um, sons of God, sons and daughters, but by claiming our sonship is claiming the full inheritance that we have in Christ. So, yeah. So I wanted to read a part of The Return of the Prodigal Son. This is by Henry Nowen again. And he talks about the true prodigal. He says, I am touching here the mystery that Jesus himself became the prodigal son 
for our sake. He left the house of his heavenly father, came to a foreign country, gave away all that he had, and returned through his cross to his father's home. All of this he did, not as a rebellious son, but as an obedient son, sent out to bring home all the lost children of God. Jesus, who told the story to those who criticized him for associating with sinners, himself lived the long and painful journey that he, that he describes. When I began to reflect on the parable and Rembrandt's portrayal of it, I never thought of the exhausted young man with the face of a newborn baby as Jesus. But now, after so many years of intimate contemplation, I feel blessed by this vision. Isn't the broken young man kneeling before his father, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sins of the world? Isn't he the innocent one who became sin for us? Isn't he the one who didn't cling to his equality with God, but became as human beings are? Isn't he the sinless Son of God who cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is the prodigal son of the prodigal father who gave away everything the father had entrusted to him so that I could become like him and return with him to his father's home. Seeing Jesus himself as the prodigal son goes far beyond the traditional interpretation of the parable. Nevertheless, the vision holds a great secret. I am gradually discovering what it means to say that my sonship and the sonship of Jesus are one, that my return and the return of Jesus are one, that my home and the home of Jesus are one. There is no journey to God outside of the journey that Jesus made. The one who told the story of the prodigal son is the word of God, through whom all things came into being. He became flesh, lived among us, and made us part of his fullness. Once I look at the story of the prodigal son with the eyes of faith, the return of the prodigal becomes the return of the Son of God, who has drawn all people into himself and brings them home to his heavenly Father. As Paul says, God wanted all fullness to be found in him, and through him to reconcile all things to him, everything in heaven and everything on earth. I love that. I love just how Jesus became sin, like the prodigal uh, who who went far away from the father and Tim Keller says that he wanted the father's things and not the father and he says both sons are lost and both sons are like that and I love how Henry Nouwen you know compares Jesus to the younger son the prodigal but Tim Keller uh, very much compares Jesus to the older brother the true older brother and um because the older brother in this story would have been the one to go and look for the younger son. And instead, he was self-righteous and he did not show love for, um, for his brother. Instead, he despised him in many ways. Um, and even though he stayed home with the father, he was far from the father's heart, which was waiting and ran to the younger son and embraced him and put a ring on his finger and a robe, um, get a robe for him and killed the fatted calf to have the biggest celebration of his life for his heart was so to see his son come home. And Tim Keller says that um, Jesus is the true older brother because he um, gave up the older brother would have been the one that would have, it was costly to him 
um, because the inheritance was now his when the younger son got the inheritance, so did the older brother. And he resented it instead of um, wanting the estate to wanting the estate to be back together with um, that of the younger son. He, um, yeah, he didn't want it back together. He wanted his own. So he wanted the father's things as well and not the father. But Jesus is the true older brother and he um, gave up all of his wealth to bring us lost sinners home. And so I love that in every part of the story, because I agree with Henry Nouwen as well, how you can see him in the younger son, how he became sin for us um, to bring us back home to the arms of the father. In both instances, we end up in the arms of the father, which is just beautiful. And um, wow, I'm at 13 minutes. It's amazing what happens when I go unscripted. I um, want to remind you, um, as I'd like to end, that in all of this, as we think about the Beloved, that Jesus is the true older brother. And in that, he is the one who gave up all of his wealth to bring us home. And that makes him the light, the light that penetrates all the darkness of our prodigal living. Whether we're an older brother who is self-righteous or we're a younger brother who's wandered far from home, he brings us home. And we have the full rights of sons through him. And yeah, it does make him the light in the darkness of our sin. And he can never, ever, ever be overcome. I hope you've enjoyed this um, messy rambling a bit um, of me, and I hope that you have found some nuggets, uh, some caveats that have blessed you. For more from me, my journey with mental illness, my current series on vulnerability, and many other things about which I have written over the years, visit my website, abigailalleman.com. That's Abigail, A-B-I-G-A-I-L, Alleman, A-L-L-E-M-A-N, dot com. There are a couple of free ebooks that you might find helpful. You can also find me on Instagram at Abigail.Alleman. I would like to leave you with a song, the beginning bars of a song. Um, it's called run to the father and I just absolutely have loved it excuse the audio I'm just putting it up to my microphone and playing it
So I hope that that was a blessing to you. It's by Cody Carnes, and it's called Run to the Father. And I definitely recommend it as a song um, to remind you that you are the beloved of the Father. I would love to catch you here next time. <laughs>